Hello listeners and welcome to Talk to Touch, the weekly podcast where I discuss living an LGBTQ plus life to build a strong and united community because connection starts with open conversation. I am your host, Denver Shai. Well, let me welcome you to a fabulous Monday afternoon. This morning I got up early, as usual, and I don't know about you, but I really enjoy having lemon water first thing in the morning. It really wakes me up, gives me a zing. I love it. What I do the night before is I get my zester and I squeeze out half a lemon and I put it in my water bottle, holds about 600 mils of water. Then I put it in the fridge when I'm good and I remember to do this though, and put it in the fridge. And then in the morning, when I get up at six, ready to do my workout, I have lovely cool water sitting there waiting for me to drink. Oh, it is really lovely. Absolutely refreshing. It's worth trying. Apparently, lemon water is very good for you. I do prefer fresh lemon. I'm not getting that squeezy lemon that you get in the plastic lemon bottles that you see in the cookery section in supermarkets. It's got to be fresh lemon. If I can have organic lemon, I'm even happier. So that was very refreshing this morning. Completely enjoyed it. So how are you? I hope your weekend was wonderful. This is August bank holiday weekend and I am so excited. I know I'm going to say this again. But we've got Pride coming up in Birmingham at the end of September. And I'm really trying to stay calm. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to mention it again, but I'm not making promises. So that's just to throw that out there. So welcome to the two. I can't speak today. Maybe I've not had enough coffee. I don't think I've had enough coffee. I usually have a piccolo in the morning. I love my piccolo lattes. They are super cute. You have a little espresso cup, so it's only got a little bit of room left in it, and you top that up with hot milk, and it's called a piccolo latte, so small latte. I have that every single morning. It's the first thing I have. Well, not quite the first. The first thing is the lemon water, but my piccolo latte, I love it. And then invariably, I might have a a coffee, and then I will go on to having a herbal tea or something, but... um, piccolo latte you've got to have it so super cute it's just an espresso hit really but clearly I've not had enough because um yeah I'm stumbling over my words now see I've just done it again anyway today's episode is what is the worst that could happen if because I have this little series going on and I'm not following each episode every single week but today it is what is the worst that can happen if you were willing to forgive yourself we think about everyone else. It's not often we think about ourselves. Self-forgiveness. What I would like you to do though is stay till the end to hear one point that I believe with all my heart does not require forgiveness. So stay to the end to hear that. So the thing about forgiveness, especially, you know, you forgive other people. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, depends on what it is. But I will say one thing about forgiveness when it comes to others. I think that when you forgive other people, it doesn't mean that they're welcome back to put their feet under your table and to be invited for lunch every day and you hang out with them again. Sometimes there are people that have been in our lives for a period of time that we we learn to forgive. Something's happened. We get to a point where we can forgive them, but then we move on. 
and we don't bring them with us. So it's like, you know, when you see the London Underground, you look at the map and it has these different colour lines, but then they'll veer off to different platforms. I think life's like that sometimes with people we know. They are in our life, they're walking along with us for a period of time, and then we go in different directions. We don't want to bring them with us again because, you know, we've come to the end of the line, so to speak. So sometimes we can forgive other people, but I don't think we're very good at forgiving ourselves. We don't have... We just don't seem to quite have that capacity to say, you know what, I made a mistake and I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to acknowledge my error. I'm going to move forward, etc. We either ignore it. I know I've done that in the past. I've tried to ignore a mistake I made, something I've done and try to move forward. And then something I see, I hear or something I smell. For me, smells bring a memory back to mind. And certain smells just hit me. It's like the smell of lavender. I don't even know those lavender sweets, little purple ones. Whenever I smell that, it always takes me right back to the time when my mother used to use this polish on the dining room floor. It's like this waxy purple lavender polish. It always reminds me of that. When we don't forgive ourselves, it keeps us stuck. We are in a point, we're at a point where... Our glass is always half full and some people don't even have a glass. You know, we're never good enough. Nothing's ever good enough that we do and that's how we feel. So we just stay stuck and we may not recognise that. It may be something that happens subconsciously and you don't even realise that the inability to forgive ourselves keeps us stuck. I do think society has a tendency to keep you in an attitude of unworthy, you know, oh, there's a word I'm trying to remember. You know, you're not allowed to acknowledge your your greatness, your skills, your the things that make you fabulous. And I do think that's a bit of a problem. You know, always having that attitude of, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's okay. And, oh, well, you know, I'm not that good. Someone compliments us, but then we've got to say what's wrong with the thing they've complimented us on. Perfect example, ask any artist. Compliment an artist on their work and see what their next sentence is. It is invariably going to be something along the lines of, oh, well, it's it's okay, but, no, oh, that bit there, I didn't quite get that right. I don't know what that's about, but it's it's what happens. The other thing about not being willing to forgive ourselves, and I, I don't I say willing, I don't think it's that we're not willing to forgive ourselves. I think we find it difficult. I think we find it challenging to forgive ourselves. It's almost something that's not mentioned often. It's more a case of forgiving others rather than learning to forgive ourselves. But the problem with that is it increases our risk of depression. It causes problems for our mental health, our mental well-being. If you don't have a good image of yourself, a positive image of yourself, how can you maintain a positive state of mind, uh, an empowered state of mind? Because there's only one way that that's going to go. You're just filled with self-recrimination and nothing you do is good enough. You don't need society to tell you that because you'll be saying that to yourself. You're filled with shame and there's guilt, even if there isn't anything to feel shame or guilt for. It's just what happens. 
when we don't forgive ourselves, when we keep putting ourselves down. And most of the time, it's not even conscious. Sometimes it is. There's a website called YouGov, and they are an international research data and analytic group. And over the last 12 months, they found that half of LGBT Britons, say 51% of them, have experienced or were diagnosed with a mental health condition. Now, compared to the rest of the population, theirs is only 32%. Now, 51% of LGBTQ plus people are experiencing some sort of mental health condition. Now, I think that's down to the way society views us, how they treat us, how we are told that we don't belong, that we're wrong, there's something wrong with us, that we need to be fixed. If you're growing up in a society that celebrates you and thinks you are beautiful and you are awesome and just is fighting your corner and helping you and supportive in every single way, that figure, that 51% would be far less. There wouldn't be that sense of shame or embarrassment and guilt for being LGBTQ+. That figure just would not be so high. There are many other reasons that people experience mental health issues, many reasons, but the figure is disproportionately higher amongst the queer community. There is a company in Brighton and Hove as well. They are a charity, an award-winning LGBTQ plus community mental health service that is based in Brighton. And they are a national charity and they're run by LGBTQ plus people for the queer community, which is marvellous. And I have put a link to them in the show notes and also their phone number, because what is wonderful about them is their services include anyone who identify as asexual, aromantic, pansexual, non-binary, genderqueer, gender fluid and intersex. But what really stood out to me as well was that they are also there for those who identify as straight and have a, rela a relationship with someone within the queer community. So reaching out to someone like MindOuts is a really good place to start moving forward to help deal with the issues that are coming up for you, especially where your mental health is concerned, because our mind health affects absolutely everything. You know, once you are experiencing depression, um, whether you've got PTSD, no matter what it is, bipolar, it can make life really challenging to move forward and to live fully. You get these pockets where you can go forward, where you're living your best life or everything just feels great. And then suddenly you are hit head on by this brick wall and you can't leave the house. I mean, standing up is hard work. You know, when you hear somebody say, oh yeah, I just feel really depressed today, but they're only fed up because I don't know, they couldn't get their latte or something. You think you, if you understood, if you truly understood what depression, what that depth felt like, you wouldn't use that word in such a blasé manner. You know, in some ways I liken it to someone who says, oh yeah, I've got a migraine. And in fact, they've got a headache. They're comparing their headache to migraines, completely different, completely different things. A bit like the flu and the cold, very, very different. Mind Out would be a really good charity 
to reach out to, to help deal with any mental health issues and to point you in the right direction. There is a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. I'm hoping I've pronounced that correctly. And it talks about how various experiences in life, various traumas inevitably leave traces on your mind, your body, in your emotions, the impact your body just holds in various traumas. And the thing is, that's got to come out at some point. It will show up in various ways, whether that's drug abuse, alcohol abuse, verbal abuse, just anger, just bursting out of you and you just do not know where it keeps coming from. In situations like that, it's definitely essential to get the help and support and have the courage to get that help and support because reaching out is not a sign of weakness. Some people do believe that asking for help shows weakness. Actually, it shows strength because to acknowledge, to say you you see you have an issue, to say that you have a problem and to verbalize that and to reach out, that takes courage. Most of us can sit there and stay quiet and say nothing and pretend everything's okay just to give the appearance that our life is awesome. But to put your hand up and say, I have a problem, I need help, that takes courage. It's not easy. And I know from experience that that is not easy. The other thing about not forgiving yourself is it does shut you down and stops you from moving forward. That, that you know, that lack of self-forgiveness, the criticisms that we, the criticisms that we pour upon ourselves is, you know, gosh, so damaging. The way that we, we talk about who we are, how we look, what we do. It really isn't a way that inspires us and brings out our best. And the thing that's even worse is that we can pass that on to other people and be critical of them. And it stops you being lovable. People find it difficult to be around those who are always critical of them. My relationship with my mum was difficult. She was an awesome woman. She taught us to look after ourselves. She taught us to cook and good home cooking here, cooking from scratch. And it is such a fabulous skill. It's something that I really do enjoy. And it's one of the best things she ever passed on to me and my siblings. But as a relationship, we it was difficult. I don't know why. We just were never able to really meet in the middle. We were never able to connect. And I was the black sheep of the family. I was the one that always, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't get things right. I couldn't connect. And my mother, between my mum and I, there was always friction, often friction, often, very, very often friction. She wasn't a bad person. She wasn't a horrible mother. Our relationship was just difficult. I'm not saying um, that I was necessarily the easiest person to get to know, but I found her difficult to connect with. And I never felt that I was loved by her. I never felt that. Even if she said, I love you, I never felt it. They were just words. For me, they never sank in. I never felt that love from my mother. And there were times, actually, I just shut 
shut that down. I didn't, I wasn't able to find a way through to make it feel tangible. For me, it was just words and I never felt loved by her. In all of that, did I feel I loved myself? I don't know. I really don't know. More so now than I've ever done at any other point in my life. When my mother found out I was queer, that I was gay, she she called me disgusting. She didn't like it. She It went against the Bible. It went against everything that she believed. I didn't tell her that I was in a relationship with a woman I'd been seeing for about six months. I didn't tell her. So where that information came from, I do not know. But it was it was difficult. She didn't like it. And even when she said those words, I would say, when I look back now, I would say they didn't sting, burn or hurt. Yes, I still remember the words, but I didn't feel the hurt and its impact because I was so used to already feeling that from her. Does that make sense? I was already used to feeling that I wasn't enough and that I was unlovable, even when she said, I love you. So, and in a lot of ways, that did stop me from moving forward. When I look back, we just, my relationship, even up to her dying day, she, I cried when she died. She was my mother. I loved her, but there wasn't that connection. And it's only years later that I found a way of feeling lovable within myself and building a relationship with myself and forgiving myself for how how things how things were so difficult how things were hard and accepting you know what it's it's a two-way street you know when it comes to relationships whether they be romantic or not it's always a two-way street so sometimes we just have to accept that not every relationship we have is going to meet the needs that we have. Not forgiving yourself can also perpetuate that sense of self-loathing and, as I mentioned earlier, depression. I mean, in the queer community, we do tend to harbour and nurture our guilt for who we are and we are less likely to show ourselves kindness. There is that sense of feeling unworthy because that's what society tells us. We are not good enough. We don't belong. We need to be fixed. You need conversion therapy. You know, you've got that bullshit to deal with. No one should have to put up with that. I mean, gosh, I, there's a whole stream. <laughs> I could go down a road with that one, but I won't because this is not the podcast for this. But then you find yourself berating yourself. You find that because you've not forgiven yourself, you're, you're telling yourself off, you don't even realise it's happening. When I changed my name, when I came out, I made some changes and my name was one of them. And I tell you, the one thing that shocked me the most was whenever I was saying something that was less than conducive to my well-being and telling myself off, I would say my previous name and the rant would start. And it would be a simple thing sometimes. But it'd be like, oh, for goodness sake, X, you're such an idiot. Oh, what a twat. What are you doing? Oh, my God. You are a Muppet. And it would go on and on like this. And do you know what? I did not realise until I changed my name. Because I was having to remember my new name and grow into it and feel comfortable with it. And I love, love, love my name. It is the, it is the best. I love it. 
But I realized when I kept saying my old name, how much I told myself off and I could not believe it. And I thought about what I was saying. It was almost like this aha moment. Well, it was an aha moment. And I thought, oh my goodness, every time I speak to myself, it's negative. I was completely unaware of my self-talk. I made a decision that day to change what I say, and it is going to be a lifelong journey. I don't think it's something you can do overnight, but it's listening to the words you say to yourself, even if you believe you deserve them. The problem with that is you will keep saying it and you'll say it some more and you'll say it some more to the point where you're saying these words to yourself and you, you'll get to a point where you say it so easily, you no longer hear what you're saying. But I promise you this, your subconscious will know what you're saying and it is going to keep checking that off every time. And you're going to come to a point where you think, why am I always stuck? Why am I not moving forward? Why am I finding things difficult? As I said earlier, it keeps you stuck. And now you're back to the glass is half full. Nothing you do is ever good enough. We don't want to be tolerating that from other people. We should tolerate it even less from ourselves because it starts with who we are. If we keep telling ourselves off and giving ourselves a hard time, yeah, it's some, you know, it's great to take the mickey out of yourself sometime. Have a sense of humor, of course. When it becomes so ingrained, then you start to realize, hang on a minute, okay, that's what I'm saying to myself. Now, what am I putting up with from other people? Because for as long as you are not willing to forgive yourself and make those changes, you are heaping layer after layer after layer of trauma upon the trauma you've already suffered from when you were younger. And it just gets deeper and thicker the older you get. You know, when you see the layers in the sand or in the soil, you see researchers and they, they pull a bit out of the ground and you can see all those different layers of things that have died over the centuries and it gets compacted. That's what we are doing to ourselves. We are adding those layers and layers and layers and layers. And that's not going to move you forward to being your better self, your, your awesome self, the person that is thriving, that when somebody meets you, they can feel your joy. They can feel it. It just oozes out of you because you have a different attitude and perspective to yourself. Now, there are some steps that you can take. It does take time. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's easier than you think. Other times, it just means being kind and taking things a day at a time. That is the end of part one. Do go to the next episode in the feed for part two.